Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. Better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. You know me, but you also know the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah. And- uh, folks, if you are at home playing Skull Island Rise of Kong, who who hurts you? Why? <laughs> Why? The, if you haven't heard of this, it's the latest game out uh, that everyone thought Lord of the Rings Gollum would be the worst game of the year. And uh, this game came out and said, hold my beer. Really? I'll have to show you clips of this. So there were some clips like it's forty dollars. It's available on the Switch, the Xbox, the new Xbox and then PlayStation five. But it's like the worst thing going that like I saw a screen. I saw what was a video of a cutscene in the game where it's supposed to show one of the monsters that like is encountering King Kong mm-hmm. and it looks just like a fucking JPEG image. Really? It's the worst fucking thing you've ever seen. So if you're playing that at home, who hurt you? Well, you know, that's a lot of questions that we like to talk about with everybody after the show. So Pat, if we want to keep that conversation, where do we head to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website, join in the conversation on all the social media accounts. Pat will go into a deeper dive for that if you want. You can also check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons, adding more each and every day. Uh, one tier, two dollars a month. The T Public Store link is right there. So if you want to go get some ODPH swag, there is no better time than when it's on sale. Mm-hmm. So make sure you eye it up and then keep an eye out for when it goes on sale because you never know when it does. But that's the right time to strike. Also, check out the blog section where there's reviews dropping left and right. Check out the directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 118,000. Sounds about right to me. The classified section, which has friends of the show such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and many, many more. Also, the music section where you can check out such groups as Brian Wolf and the Howlers. Shout out to Robots, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, and many, many more. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. And you are tuned in to the entertainment edition. So we're going to talk a little TV. We're going to talk a little movies. We're going to talk a little comics. So we definitely want to kick off with the biggest media form of those three genres right now. And that is obviously... Disney Plus's and Marvel Studios' new hit show, Loki Season 2. Mm-hmm. The Tom Hiddleston-led ensemble of time travel meets superhero hijinks is definitely came back in a unique way mm-hmm. and setting the stage for what will be the next phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Last week, it had its debut, which mm, mixed results, I would say. Yeah, I, w- I would say. So not the smash hit I was expecting, but you know, I didn't hate it. Right, but this week, there's a lot more to discuss in episode two entitled Breaking Brad. Boy, we're going to Freudian slip that a couple times. Oh, completely. So if you're new to the show, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate it. Drop us a review on your favorite podcatcher. It definitely helps the algorithm. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement about the show or movie we are going to be talking about. And we give you enough time that we are not going to spoil anything for you. So you're going to get just the honest take, spoiler-free. There's a countdown right after. So after that countdown... You have to duck out if you don't want to be spoiled. If you've seen the show and you want to have the deep dive conversation with us, please stay tuned. 
or have you duck out, watch the show, and come back in. Pad puts the timestamp in the liner notes of each and every episode for you, so we can't be blamed for spoiling anything. So that said, Pad, give me your spoiler-free statement on Breaking Brad, Episode 2 of Loki, Season 2. I thought it was better than last week. You know, I wouldn't say it was a a Grand Slam home run, you know, nine RBIs or or whatever, but still I would say it's, you know, a head first slide into third base. It it was very good. You know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the tension they built during the episode and how they kind of set some stuff up for down the road with this season. You know, but I still felt there was some room for work just because it feels like, you know, it feels like a car that hasn't been started all winter. Like it's one of those classic, you know, American muscle cars mm. that you that if you're in the north you, here in the United States, you typically don't drive during the winter months. But once it hits springtime, summertime, you know, you break it out, you get it going, but it's not working quite right. You got to build it back up and get it back up to, you know, workability. That's what this this feels like for me. That it's like okay, it's it's taken a little, little bit to get going. It's got some of the clunks and the uh, hiccups out of the out of the way, but it's still got a couple kinks in there to work out. But it, it's improving. It's a step in the right direction. A lot of it falls on the shoulders of Tom Hiddleston, who had probably one of his best performances. Yes. in this episode, and I think that helped carry it to a different grade, if you will. Yes. It wasn't a home run, and the season thus far has not felt like that. Mm-hmm. It feels very contained. Mm-hmm. And if you're used to watching shows such as Doctor Who, it falls in that same theme. Yep. And it's going to either be a hit or a miss with viewers. So right now, it is looking like they have an idea where they're going. And the audience is now starting to see the big picture, if you will. Because I think we're where we had the opening debut, there's a lot more question marks. There's a lot less after this, mm-hmm. but how we're going to get from point A to point B is going to be the big cloud hanging over the sky, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to kind of see if we're going to see sun, sunshine or uh, downpours. So that said, it is still worth a watch, nevertheless. But let's get into that spoiler talk. So, Pad, in three, two, one, talk to me. Like I said, I thought the episode was better. It was a step in the right direction. You know, it felt like they got their footing underneath them, and this felt like a proper start to the season, whereas last week's episode felt like an, oh, whoops, we left this on the cutting room floor, and we meant to include it in the episode. Mm -hmm. You know, this one definitely, I I enjoyed it. Uh, Like you said, Loki and Tom Hiddleston were phenomenal in this episode. The tension they built and the kind of stakes they were raising during the episode were a lot, a lot of fun to see and, and interesting and kept me on the edge of my seat, you know, but I, I still feel there's room for improvement. I still feel, you know, the story can get a little refined and maybe and, it, and maybe it will when, t- when time goes on. You know, this is only episode uh, two of six, you mm-hmm. know, so there's still four more episodes to go, you know, over the next couple of Thursdays. But, you know, I've got faith in them to kind of get things going that like, OK, obviously some time has passed since they wrote the first season and re- and they were writing on the second season. So, you know, take a little, takes a little bit to recapture that, you know, flow and that feel to how they were going with season one. But I've got confidence they'll build it back. Step in the right direction, but a lot of it was relying on the acting mm-hmm. more than the story, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. I think that Hiddleston really had some material to sink his teeth into. And I think that really helps because otherwise the story 
is just in this weird state of flux. The story's forgettable until we see what happens further. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost have a weird comparison to Moon Knight. Mm, yeah. That it's kind of in that stage where you want it to get going further. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it's a neutral, but there's promise. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's implications they're hinting at, you know, what they're dealing with and what could come. Mm-hmm. But we've obviously got to sit there and, and let it play out and find out what those implications are. But just the way it's coming off right now is kind of like, yeah, we're here, we're moving along, but we don't really know where we're going. Right, because there's a lot of moving parts going on with the season thus far. Obviously, Kang has taken over. Still haven't seen him. Still have not seen him uh, in the show in any variant form yet. Well, the, there was the prequel version. The prequel one, yeah, but yeah. they say in current timeline we haven't really seen. We've seen, yeah. you know, hints and you know wall paintings and, mm-hmm. and statues and mm-hmm. such, but mm-hmm. nothing of the actual actor who plays him yet. Right. And Loki has reteamed with Mobius, played by the one and only Owen Wilson. Wow. Yeah. And seeing the unlikely duo try fixing the timeline and making sense of everything, along with tracking down Sylvie. The variant of Loki, played by Sophia Di Martino, mm-hmm. who is in the time stream somewhere, but we're not sure where. And how they try fixing the timeline? Well, they have to go f- basically fix everything that Kang has unleashed. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of a, a large task, but they're up for it because with the TVA in such a mess. Yeah. And this is the first time we've seen the Time Variance Authority just in shambles like no 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 real ease of putting it back together shambles Mm -hmm. just because you had everything that happened last season everything that's going on and it's and and you know there's no one to steer the ship they're kind of like you know running around with the building on fire going oh my god what do we do yeah but with obviously they know the way that they go fix everything is to go find sylvie Mm -hmm. however though being lost in the time stream, that's going to do something for you. Mm-hmm. They do start this episode out, though, in London, mm-hmm. 1977. Appropriate year, if I do say so myself. I'll break it down for us. Uh, well, 1977, obviously, the year Star Wars came out. Ah. Uh, playing off that a little bit, I feel like, you know, because uh, they were in London at a film premiere uh, where you've got the you've got one of the uh, Hunter X5 is on the sacred timeline, living out his quote-unquote Life, as we find out later, as the actor Brad Wolf. Yeah. Raphael Casal is playing him. Mm-hmm. And it is him living the lifestyle. However, though, our reluctant pair bumps into him at the premiere of a movie. Mm-hmm. And, well, it goes as well as one would think. Yeah, they try playing it off. It's like, oh, hey, buddy, it's been so long. What have you been up to these last few years? And he looks at them and basically says, well, shit. Yeah. So there is a little game of cat and mouse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. A lot of very cool usage of Loki's powers. Loved this. Yeah. I mean, this was awesome. Break it down for us, Pat. So when uh, they chase, uh, what is it? Uh, well, I'll just call him Brad. You know, when they chase Brad through the uh, streets and the alleyways of London, mm-hmm. you know, he eventually comes up on this gang of ne'er-do-wells, I guess, we, I guess we could say, who were like, oh, look at this. He's the big fancy schmancy guy, you know. Looking all dressed out, dressed up, and uh, in the wrong part of town. So mm. they're ready to kick his ass. Loki shows up and kicks their ass. But then, when it comes time for interrogation, Loki pulls out the old uh, four uh, fake Loki trick he used in uh, Avengers One. Mm. You know, and then and then ties up. 
Brad, I say ties with air quotes, uh, but he uses the shadow puppet, you know, technique or whatever it is, and uh, holds Brad there by his own shadow. Yeah. Love seeing this. It's an amazing uh, special effects situation going on here, and, and especially it plays into where Loki is really kind of getting back into his own groove. Mm-hmm. You know, we started off seeing him time displaced all through episode one. Yep. Now it feels like he's back into a certain place of him being back to the god of mischief, but with his own agenda, too, because obviously he's trying to track down Sylvie. Mm-hmm. They do wind up having a little assist with Hunter B-15 helping them out, too. So Wumi Mosko is reprising the role, and obviously... Fantastic performance. Oh, amazing performance, too. Because they wind up taking him back to the TVA. Mm-hmm. And they have to go and try getting the information out of him. Well, they, they, they put him in chains i guess you could say mm-hmm. you know they put a collar around him i forget what the collar is exactly called but basically what it does is it prevents him from time traveling you know so it locks him in place and they're like all right he was supposed to be looking for sylvie he obviously knows where sylvie is because he he abandoned his mission you know and they get in they get at that much out of him that like yeah i abandoned my mission i, I you know i wanted to live out my life on the sacred timeline that i was supposed to have lived don't you and he and he tries appealing to everybody else in the TVA's, you know, sense of like loss, I guess you could say, where it's like, hey, wouldn't you want to know what you did on the sacred time? Like he does it repeatedly through the episode with uh, Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you want to know? You know, but then they end up torturing him, and that's what this is. They end up torturing him to get the information out of him because he's like, Hey, listen, I got no reason to tell you what you need to know, and I can just sit here, kick back, and and just live out my time, you know, and not tell you what you need to do. And then Loki, and he goes, listen, and he tells Loki, you're not a hero. You're a villain. So why are you trying to act like the hero? Which might have been the wrong thing to tell him. Well, there's something that he has been dealing with in this new life he has. Since like Thor 2. Well, you have to realize that, that he wants to be the hero in the story. Uh-huh. But he can't stay out of his own way. Mm-hmm. He's the god of mischief. It's his uh, inner nature. Exactly. So now that he has this redeeming sense to him, but it's not a full redemption. It's been building. It's been building. But as he's seeing a purpose to try getting back to Sylvie and and solving this whole mess, Mm -hmm. he's really tried staying on the good guy side of things, if you will. Mm -hmm. But when he sees that Brad takes a shot at Mobius and basically says, why are you doing this for the TVA? They kidnapped you. They stole your life. Like, wouldn't you want to know? And mm-hmm. even when Loki has a one-on-one with him later, too. While eating pie. Yes, of course, while eating pie. You know, you see that Owen Wilson's character is just really sitting there, just, like, explaining, like, no, I don't want to know what my life was. My life is now, and I'm happy with this now. But it's getting to the point it's frustrating and breaking him. Uh, we're going to, I guarantee, and I'm, and I'm calling this now, we're going to find out what mobius was doing or was supposed to be doing before the season's out because as much as they brought this up during the episode i feel like that's not something they brought up and just wanted to leave on the wayside Mm -hmm. and that's something they're going to tie back into because a lot of this is self-discovery for everybody involved Mm -hmm. you think about now with a new timeline you have to figure out who you are and for mobius he's really trying to grasp to what he knew but now he's being challenged. And the reaction that Loki has, I mean, this is just great acting between Wilson and, and Hiddleston. You see just Wilson's panic attack and almost breakdown, if you will. Mm-hmm. And Loki reacts like a friend. Yeah, because what is it? Uh, Mobius starts freaking out, gets up from the table, starts wa- or wherever it was, and walking away. And he's freaking out. He's talking you know, a million miles a minute. 
and Loki's following him, and they don't know where they're going, and they're like, I was following you. Mm. No, no, I was following you. Yeah, so eventually Loki decides to go back with a little bit of help of a machine that OB, <laughs> the unsung hero of this entire season thus far, yeah. has helped him out with. Kihu Khan uh, has been playing an amazing job as Ouroboros. Love him. Or OB. And winds up hooking them up with a, a certain machine, if mm-hmm. you will. So when Loki takes us back into the room, he locks Mobius out. And this is where you hear the speech of, I know I'm a villain. The, yeah, this is where the evil Loki comes back out because uh, Brad, uh, Hunter X5, goes, oh, there's, it doesn't matter. There's no way you can operate that. It's missing its control pad. Mm-hmm. And there's a pause. Loki turns around, you know, half, halfway turns around and goes, and pulls out of his pocket and goes, oh, you mean this pad? Yeah. And he installs said pad onto the device. And he's like, oh, that's all right. You, you don't know how to use it. He goes, oh, let's see. Which one could it be? Oh, oh that looks like it turned it on. Mm. <laughs> and so he starts operating it and, and you know, basically ap- applying the uh, needles or the, the p- uh, pins to him. And finally, uh, Hunter X5, you know, Brad, yeah, cracks under the pressure and goes, all right, fine, fine. I'll tell you what you need to know. Mm-hmm. So you see Loki goes back to the evil side he's been trying to hold back. Mm-hmm. But it's great to see because he was just torturing him with his own weapon that the TVA had. Mm-hmm. But he finally gets the information he's been waiting on. Meanwhile, there is a side plot going on with OB mm-hmm. and the rest of the TVA that realize what is going on with the timeline and how they need to fix it, but they can't get access to it because somebody is missing. Well, so OB's trying, still trying to fix the loom, and he's working on the, like, inside portion of where it won't kill him to work on it. And he's mm-hmm. trying to basically crack the passcode to get onto the computer to fix this thing, but he keeps telling him wrong aura, wrong aura, wrong aura, A-U-R-A. Mm-hmm. And that that's when it hits him and he goes, shit. So, you know, between him and then a couple other characters who go down there, uh, I believe it was also uh, Casey, you know, the TVA receptionist, Eugene Cordero, played by Eugene Cordero, go down there and a couple others, uh, you know, go down there and they're like, hey, oh my, they, well, they start freaking out. He starts freaking out going, oh my gosh, you're, you're OB. You wrote the, you're the manual i run it back to front and that's when they figure out well i can't fix the loom because i don't have the right aura well whose aura do you need i need the aura of the person who created this whole thing and that's he uh he who remains aura or the help of Ms. minutes mm-hmm. and as we find out in this in this episode ms minutes is mia she's not even at the tva she's off helping uh ravona renslayer yes so it's an interesting setup now, knowing obviously Ravona's connection to Kang mm-hmm. and Miss Minutes' involvement now. Mm-hmm. So there is a formidable foe in place. Mm-hmm. But all the while, Loki is just committed about going to Braxton, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And Braxton is is a very interesting place. Like I say, I mentioned in last week's episode, if you've ever read JMS's Thor, mm-hmm. you understand that that location is going to play a big deal. Now, are they going to borrow from the actual comic books for that? Probably not, because this is a separate universe, or a separate timeline, I should say. Arguably, I would say, yeah. There, it's a legit 50-50, depending on how the season ends up. I, But I don't right. have it, But I would say right... It could, it could show up in the future, just like, hey, we've introduced this place, now we can bring it in. But for this, I, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I think right now they're just going to keep focused on the story and sylvia's working at a mcdonald's and on just loved it so much she uh, started to work there. yeah i was gonna say she's really found peace 
Yeah. At the at, at this uh, food, fast food restaurant. A little slice of life. Yep. Meanwhile, you do see Loki, Mobius, and Brad show mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. and there is a great confrontation between Loki and Sylvia. That you know, it just plays into the strong acting chemistry that Hiddleston and DiMartino have. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia is basically reluctant to come back to the life that she led. But when Brad starts kind of talking and saying, You guys are all in danger, yeah, he starts tipping his hand. Mm-hmm. Sylvia decides to go back and using her enchanting powers mm-hmm. and gets the information that she's been waiting. And well, I should say more the reader or the viewers have been waiting on mm-hmm. of what is going on here. And they find out that general docs, mm-hmm. who is a uh, not so nice of a person now, definitely operating on his own uh, agenda. No, she's the TVA general. The, the one that was leading the group. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she is committed about destroying the, the timeline branches. Yeah, you thought what Thanos did was bad. Yeah. Woof. No, Multiply she, that by like 10. Yeah, they're very upset. They want one l- linear timeline, mm-hmm. and they're not afraid about who they take out to do this. Mm-hmm. Or how many. Mm-hmm. So once this transpires, you do see the reluctant team go into battle and go get the location of Docs and mm-hmm. go. But with all the fighting going on, and there's some great action sequences yeah. involved here. Yeah. Because you're seeing a lot of Docs' forces going through time doors mm-hmm. with explosive time bombs mm-hmm. they're fighting their best to get through the stakes are very high you see it ends with loki and sylvia unleashing their magic mm-hmm. and wiping out everybody in the room mm-hmm. but unfortunately it's all for nothing yep because what happens is they take a look at the screen that docs was using to keep track of everybody mm-hmm and you see the timelines are just breaking apart. I'll say almost all of them are destroyed. Some of them got like half destroyed, mm-hmm. not fully, but like, yeah, most of them are gone. Yeah. And you see with Hunter B-15, the reaction is like all the innocent lives. Yeah. Because that's the one thing. It's it's like in, in comparison with Galactus comes and eats a planet. Yes. People are killed and they're millions. And that's what they're watching unfold here. So, I mean, there's no real reaction to this. It's mm-hmm. like, what else can we do? And all they really have is... Where do we go from here? Right. And Sylvia is now refusing to let this go. And is like, we're going to have to find out what's going to go on. But she also has something in her possession. Yeah. And this is kind of a big item. Yeah, it is. Pat, break it down. Uh, she has in her possession, he who remains Tempad. Yes. Oh, boy. So now the stakes get very high as the episode ends because when she's just sitting there holding the temp pad and sitting on her car in the McDonald's parking lot, yep. we now know that there is a way to connect and find Kang, so to speak. Right. Well, and we also know where uh, Renslayer is because during this episode, another little mini plot was going on is they're trying to locate Renslayer, but because of there being so many branched off timelines, it was like trying to find a needle in the haste in a haystack. Mm-hmm. But now that most of that hay's been removed, all of a sudden the needle's real easy to find. Mm-hmm. So now at the midway point of the season. Or like I, the one third part. Or the one third, if you will. We're now going to be heading into the heart of the story. Mm-hmm. And you know where Ravona Renslayer is. Kang is not too far behind. Probably not. 
So, Pat, I mean, overall thoughts on the episode? thought it was a good episode. It was a better step in the right direction, but it still, you know, didn't have firm footing for me. You know, the acting was great with what they had to work with. Just this story, you know, needs a little refinement, and I'm sure that'll come as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoyed it. The action sequences were cool. You know, the mystery and the intrigue was cool. You know, I, I enjoyed the cat and mouse they were doing, but and it was a definite imp- uh, improvement from the first episode. Oh, very much. It was leaps and bounds better. I think that with the acting, and you could definitely tell if you watch enough things with Tom Hiddleston, you can see when he really gets invested. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes Loki such a dynamic character in live action. Not to say in the comics, but there's a long history of different variants and such. To see Tom run with the material and really show the emotion of his redemption arc is all for naught. He has to go back to be a villain to win the day. Mm-hmm. And now knowing what he knows and seeing all the lives go, Loki kind of teeters on that anti-hero stage for just for this moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to stay. But Probably just, not. But just for the moment we're in, it's here. And I think that that's very interesting to see play out. And now with Sylvia back in the fold, they feel like they, they're they the cause for this. Mm-hmm. They need to be the effect. Yes. And now mm-hmm. heading into the next uh, episodes, it's going to be interesting to see where things go, but at least we have an idea that they have to go track down Ravona, they have to track down Miss Minutes, and all roads lead to Kang. Yes. But a great episode, though, like I say, strong act in Hilson's performance, especially his reactions, watching the timelines disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that image is going to stick out with fans. Yeah. It's going to be one that a lot of us are going to be talking about, especially heading into next week. So definitely make sure to check this episode out, and we have to have a discussion about this. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Breaking Brad? Episode 2 of Season 2 of Loki on Disney Plus every Tuesday night. Thursday. Not, or Thursday night, 9 p.m. I'm so used to saying about turning a page on Nerd Initiative YouTube. It just kind of rolls off. But Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But we definitely have to talk about this episode. What is your thoughts about this? Where is the show going? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week, we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And this past weekend, what a time it was in New York City. Con! Yes, New York Comic Con 2023 went down. The ODPH was fortunate enough to be there as press. A lot of stories breaking in the world of comics. Uh A lot. Uh And we did the official recap episode on Nerd Initiative Turn a Page last night on YouTube right now. So if you haven't checked that out, Rich from uh, 3FN came by, Tom from Off the Cuff, uh, Matt from Hops Geeks News, all of us came came by and we're just talking about the event that was pop culture shut down for four days. And there's a lot of stories to break down. Now, Pad, you weren't there. No. But what were you most excited about hearing going into the weekend? Uh, some of the comic stuff, especially, you know, DC Marvel, just because their stuff equally has been really good the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, so just interested to see what they got going, what they got planned, especially when it comes to the Ultimate Universe coming back for the uh, Marvel brand. Mm-hmm. You know, that was as much as I love Superman and as much as I love Batman, the animated series, 
the ultimate Spider-Man comics were what really got me into comics, you know, back in the early 2000s, just because I discovered the trade paperback, you know, at my local library. And then me being a young kid, you know, like 10, 11 years old, not understanding how release schedules work for trade paperbacks. Every time I would go to the library, I'd be searching, you know, their online database, you know, to see if they had gotten the latest trade paperback issue, mm-hmm. you know, just so to see that come back, I was really excited and excited to hear about what's going on with that. And then some of the TV show stuff too. I mean, you know, we had the, you had the uh, new trailer for invincible season two drops, Sup- yep. super excited for that one, but mostly the comic stuff. Yeah. I have to say when we did the preview episode, there was a few panels on my list that were must attends mm-hmm. and I will have to say, we'll kind of kick off just breaking down the comic stuff that jumped out to me first. Mm-hmm. And you hit it right on the head. The The biggest panel of the weekend for me was Marvel's next big thing that went down Saturday. Mm-hmm. And this went head to head too with a surprise panel that came out of nowhere and that was Arcbound. Okay. Now, this is going to be a story by Scott Snyder, friend of the show. I'll say, uh, I've heard of him. Yes. And Tom Hardy. Yes. That Tom Hardy. Venom Tom Hardy? Yes. Oh. Who made a surprise appearance in New York Comic Con. They're hyping up the book right now. The Ash Can was for sale. And there's more news to come out about that uh, heading into 2024. Nice. So there was a lot of buzz going on with that. And it was kind of crazy because these two panels were going head to head. And even on the sales floor of New York Comic Con, there was a buzz that day about who was going to what. Hmm. So it was a very exciting time. Howbeit, though, I think Marvel might have edged them out just a little bit. Okay. Because they came with a lot of information, especially how you're referencing, too, about the Ultimates universe. Mm -hmm. We did hear about who was going to be involved, and it's all stemming out of Ultimates universe, Mm -hmm. which is dropping in November. And then you're going to see a lot of books following right after. We'll say thanks for the uh, birthday gift there, Marvel. Yes. So in, it's going to be an interesting time, but they are kicking off, like I said, with Ultimates Universe number one. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Hickman is writing that with Stefano Caselli on the art. That'll be real good. So, yep. So that's going to kick everything off. And then beginning of the year, Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Hell yes. Jonathan Hickman is writing it, and Marco Cicchetto is on the art. And this one, how uh, Jonathan was describing it at the panel, is more or less, this is going to be like Peter B. Parker from the Spider-Verse animated film in that sense. And I'm showing Pat the promo art right now. That looks awesome. Yes, it's it's a great piece. But even at the panel, which Marvel did something that we've heard in Hall H. Yeah. You and I have both been in attendance for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. They said, put away your phones, put away your laptops. <laughs> oh, Nobody's boy. seeing anything outside of here. They're not kidding either. No, they were not. They will throw you out of that panel and the con mm-hmm. for the day. And I will say this. I love that energy mm-hmm. because with Marvel, especially at New York Comic Con, if you're not familiar with, mm-hmm. they like to defend it like their home turf. They, 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 are, they are based in New York. Yep. They want to make sure that they put on the biggest pr- pr- uh, presence the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. They had stacked panels throughout. I mean, from this week in Marvel to Women of Marvel panel on Sunday to the Gang War panel, which Dre Driven covered for us. Shout out to Dre. His TikTok video is up right now, so he's breaking all that down. But next big thing had the hype behind it. And when Agent M came in, kicked everything off, and you started seeing the creators come out, it really gave that big fight feel to nice. it. Nice. And especially with Jonathan Hickman coming out, because he's talking about his book, Gods 2, which I'll admit, I'm not fully in on. Okay. 
it's just it's it's a lot for me, and it, it doesn't really appeal to my fandom. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting from what I've heard from other fans. Mm-hmm. But the Ultimus one was the one everybody was really excited to hear about, and we did see the promo pieces come out, and they did have a video animated footage, right. and you saw all the the Spider Man suits appear. Bring back Ultimate Green Goblin, you cowards! Yeah, I mean they didn't really go into details about who is going to be behind the mask per se, right? It's just kind of was hinted at. It's going to be like a. a Peter B. Parker from mm-hmm. the movie, uh, from the movies. We did see a, a promo piece though for Ultimate Black Panther, mm-hmm. which is going to be uh, written by Brian Hill, art by Stefano Caselli. That's due in February. And the one that got me really all types of crazy mm-hmm. because I was excited to hear about that because I, I did not hear anything about this. I'm showing Pat the promo art right Ooh. now. Peach Momoko. Ooh. Is on Ultimate X-Men writing and drawing. Ultimate X-Men back in the day was fucking wild. Yeah. So to see what Peach is going to do in this universe in March, uh-huh. that's going to be absolutely insane. I'm also hoping with this whole entire Ultimate relaunch, much like the previous incarnation, they don't hold back and they don't pull any punches. Uh, if you want an idea of what I'm talking about, look what happened to Gwen Stacy when Carnage met her. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, Absolutely. Like, I think that that was the sense in the room. Like, they're borrowing the name from Ultimates, but right. I would not say this is going to be a carbon copy. No, and, and I think they've been pretty crystal clear on that from the outset that they said, listen, this isn't going to be a relaunch or, or they're bringing back the Ultimates universe we knew from the early 2000s. That, like, they're using the name, mm. but it's a separate thing. Yeah. They also had Chip Zdarsky in attendance, too, and he is hysterical, by the way. Nice. Uh, breaking down Avengers Twilight. Oh, okay. So this is a brand new book. It's the one set in the future, right? Yes. Okay, I saw the cover of this one. Yeah, with Daniel Kuna's art. Uh, this is this looks absolutely incredible. It's it just is a wild series to what we were seeing the promo art for, and, mm-hmm. and the future is going to be very interesting for the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I'm going to have to pick up the Marvel Unlimited uh, thing, like much like DC Infinite. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to pick up the Marvel equivalent of this. Marvel Unlimited has got a lot of great things on it. They're doing a lot more original stuff, right? And I know one, ironically, I will kind of lead into, they're doing Infinity Pause. Oh, oh, I saw this, and my girlfriend saw this, and she loved it. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, Jeff the Landshark, who has taken over Marvel, too, by the way. I'm so sorry, fiance, Freudian slip. Yeah, congratulations, Thank too, you. about that. We didn't mention it on here, but you know, we'll you. jump in. The the future Mrs. Padawan J. Yes. Uh, we'll definitely be picking this up. And like I say, it's the team-up of the animated or the... Uh, animals of the marvel cinematic universe this just looks like a ton of fun it, it looks amazing jason lou is is on the art or writing this and now fuji is doing the art uh jason lou does amazing stuff too mm-hmm. we will be talking about him just a little bit uh for some other project he's involved with but this one definitely is fun for marvel unlimited and if you haven't checked it out like i give it a recommendation like i have it as well right the only thing that um, I wish they did more was like with DC with the Infinite Ultra. Yeah. You have to wait longer for new issues. Mm. But I don't mind waiting because if I want something that bad, I go to the comic shop anyway. Exactly. Because that's what you should be doing. But that was a great uh, little segue that they kind of broke down as well, too. The Avengers uh, news was great. The X-Men stuff, too. <laughs> I mean, that got really interesting because now we are at the end game, so to speak. For now. No, I think that by the time we get to about midway next year, what you know of the age of the Krakoan era is out the window. Mm. So they did announce two new series. Well, three technically, but the two that are really the ones on my radar. Mm -hmm. Fall of the House of X, written by Jerry Dugan and art by Lucas Renrick. Mm -hmm. 
and Rise of the Powers of Ten, Kieran mm. Gillen and um, R.B. Silva. Okay. So these are playing into a, the bookend from the series that started the Hulk Cohen era with Jonathan Hickman. I always thought it was interesting Hickman didn't come back to finish this. Mm-hmm. But I'm not mad about this because the promo art looks very, very interesting. And, and it also depends on what your feeling is about the current state of the X-Men books. Mm. Some people really love the Krakoan era. Some people absolutely hate it. Yeah. Me, I lean on the side of, I think it's a creative take, but like all good things, it can't last. Mm-hmm. So with the promo piece that we're seeing, and I'm showing Pad right now too, Ooh. this is saying a lot Ooh. without saying anything. Yeah, I would say so. And it's got a lot of characters, a lot of different incarnations of them. And going into 2024, I think X-Men fans are going to have a lot to be excited about. I know I was marking out, like, this really stole the show for me. Mm -hmm. And obviously, with the other book that is going on, too, The Resurrection of Magneto. Oh, yeah. With Al Ewing and Luciano Vecchio on the art. Like, there's a lot to be amped up for. I know as we were breaking today, Fabian Nencieza is back doing Cable next year. Ooh. Which I'm like, that, that, that threw me back to the time warp, but I'm here for it. Gotta love more Cable. Oh, absolutely. Like I say, there, there's just a lot that if you're an old school X-Men fan like myself, mm-hmm. and I don't mind dating myself about this. Like I I was fortunate enough, I grew up in the era of Jim Lee on the art and the X-Men renaissance that was the early 90s mm-hmm. before everybody went to the image. It was some of the best comics because it really captured that Claremont burn vibe mm-hmm. that we don't, we don't have a lot in mm-hmm. comics anymore. But they had so many announcements. Like I say, I, I, I just absolutely was blown away by this panel. And then they announced, too, about a event that is happening next year. Okay. And that is Blood Hunt. Hmm. So this was a little crazy as, as it's coming. And that is going to be by Jed McKay and Pepe Larraz. And I'm just showing Pad the promo art Holy that shit. the fine folks of Marvel uh, sent out on Twitter and all social media. And shout out to Marvel. Like I say, this looks absolutely wild. That looks nuts. And I'm here for this insanity. Yeah. I, I am absolutely yeah. in. Uh, like I say, they gave a lot of great giveaways at the end, too. And there is just a lot to be excited about for what they had overall presentation. Mm-hmm. The They gave fans a lot to digest. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they came with the energy. And no matter with how the lines have been doing, they were super amped up and super ready to go. So I was all in about this. My second, or I guess I always hate saying, you know, first place, second place, third place. But the panel that stole the show for me, and I really think that they were the sleeper hit of the weekend, mm-hmm. is a new imprint company that is coming out, and they're going to be released under Image, mm-hmm. called Ghost Machine. Okay. So I had happened to be walking around the sales floor with Rich from 3FM, and I happened to get the press release from Image, shout out to Image, and they had mentioned about Ghost Machine was at New York, they had a lot going on, and the names that were listed you had Gary Frank, Jason Fabok, Jeff Johns, Brian Hitch, Peter Tomasi. They had, and more, like they had a murderer's row. I'll say that, that's a heavy header lineup. Yeah, like this is like, we are not screwing around. No. And we happened to walk down to their booth, and we, I got to give a shout out. They had one of the nicest team members working, mm-hmm. and she was so excited about the company. Nice. Like she was flagging us over. It's like, oh my God, guys. You know, have you heard about Ghost Machine? And, and Rich and I are both like, we just got the press release. And she was like, oh, my God, yeah. Do you want to talk to Jason? We wind up talking to Jason Fabick. I'll say, uh, do you want to twist my arm? Because you don't have to. Yeah. So we wind up talking to Jason. 
And his energy about this universe and mm-hmm. company is it was infectious. Like I left there going, I really want to hear more about this. I am all in about this. And when you can have a creator, especially one on his level, that he I mean he does fantastic work, that you just go like, Oh my god, like what is this? Right. You really left with something. He gave us an autograph ash can. Oh, there you go. And we went to the panel the following day. And the energy did not falter. Mm. Everybody that was at that panel, and we're talking Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. Brian Hitch, Francis Manipal, and everybody there, they had about like 10 uh, team members on stage. Oh. Everybody was like all in, amped up, and Jeff Johns was leading the charge. There you go. And to hear him, and obviously a legend in the business. Yep, yep. To be all just excited for what's coming. And now you have this roster of just amazing creators at, at that are they're crafting three universes in one. Like the plan they have for this is just incredible. And to hear his passion, the one thing that I left with this panel pad, when you like I'll just throw this question to you before I say the, the message. When you go to a comic sh- uh, shop and you pick up an issue, what do you primarily look for in in the book? Uh, a little bit of action, a little bit of adventure, some intrigue. A uh, cool cover doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, some familiarity with the property. Uh, I take some risks every now and again, uh, but mostly some good action sequences. Okay. They were really driving home about characters first. Mm. They, they want you to be invested in the characters. That's always good. Yeah, and I, I thought the message was great, especially in this day and age of comics. Right. That they were like, everything is based around the characters, and that's what we're pushing for. Well, and that's that's a good thing, too, just because I know I've seen my fair share of movies and TV shows where mm. the story's amazing. You know, the set pieces, and like... You know, especially ones that were filmed in the actual locations the movies or the movie or show is supposed to be taking place in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just you know fantastic scenery and fantastic visual effects, and the costume department's on point, and the, whoever's composing the score is you know doing like that meme where the piano's on fire on the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, but then you get to the characters, and it's like it's flattered in a tire in in winter. Yeah, and you're like, eh, you know what? That's really taken away from it for me. Yeah. They really were selling about every everybody's book. And, you know, the, the great thing is, and this will kind of be a theme of this weekend, too, to see creators really get into this everybody wins mentality mm-hmm. was amazing to see. And everybody was excited about everybody's book coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot that they were announcing there, too, uh, with Ghost Machine number one coming out in January. And that is going to be uh, 64 pages, and you're going to find out about everybody's shared universe. You're finding out about Junkyard Joe, Red Coat, uh, Geiger, which, I mean, some fans might know about already, Rook, Exodus, which is something that's going to be up your alley pad. Oh, okay. It's pretty much Star Wars meets Mad Max. Okay. And that was amazing. They have a family Odyssey brand, too, which uh, Peter Tomasi and Francis Manipal are working on, the Rocket Fellers. Hmm. And the story behind this one, I tell me that this is not one of the coolest concepts you've heard. You have a family from the future mm-hmm. that's put in the witness uh, protection. Oh, boy. Where do you send them? <laughs> uh, boy, that's a, that's a tough one. In the past. Well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but no, but they send them hundreds of years in the past. Ooh, interesting. So now it's that culture shock yeah. of being, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and adapting and I just think the concept is amazing because it's no, like, that's I, that's different. Yeah, it's very different. And with Peter Tomasi's work, I mean, I mean, read about it. Like I say, one of the best to do is 
they just have such a cool lineup coming, and it's going to be really amazing to see this all play out. Uh-huh. And like I say, just the energy they had about this was huge. Uh-huh. So we definitely are going to be talking about this going into the, the new year. Uh, I'll just kind of bury a spoiler a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we have some of those fine creators on the ODPH. Mm, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. In the future, putting it out there. Mm. So uh, stay tuned, dot, dot, dot. Uh, also on the comic front, too, they had DC, I would say, had a good weekend. Sure. Uh, I would say a little more low-key per se, mm-hmm. but still some very big news. Uh, Pat, are you familiar with the Elseworlds imprint? Yeah, uh, was uh, partially inspired the uh, Arrow TV event of the same name. Mm-hmm. Elseworlds is where, if anybody's not familiar, it is taking stories of your classic heroes and putting them into different um, uh, concepts, different mm-hmm. ideas, and it doesn't affect the timeline. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a, the alternate universe, if you will. Like a what-if type of thing? Kind of. But some of those books have um, become part of canon. Uh, Kingdom Come is probably the one that stands out to me the most. Yeah, that one's fairly popular. Yeah. Gotham by Gaslight. Um there, there's a ton. They and turned a, that one into a movie, didn't they? Yeah. That's what I thought. And a lot have been turned over to the Black Label brand. Right. right. But they're now coming back with the Elseworlds imprint. God, give it to me. Yeah, so there's a bunch of new stories coming out for that. So we'll talk about them as they, as they start rolling out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of great creators on that. And it's going to be interesting to see. Like I say, one was Batman the Barbarian. Oh, that one caught my eye immediately. That one sounds interesting. I'm like, okay, I definitely want to check this out. So we will definitely be talking about that as it's coming up further. Uh, also, on the Mar or on the DC standpoint, I should say, I know a book close to your heart. Uh huh. Action Comics. Yes. Did you hear the big news? Uh, no, I did not. Philip Kennedy Johnson is leaving. Okay, I've I've heard rumblings. Yes, taking over for a couple issues is Jason Aaron. Holy shit! Yeah. Yo. So they are loading that book up for a little bit. I'm not sure how long. As if that line wasn't already must read. Yeah. So I know he's staying around for, I think, at least three issues, possibly more. Probably going to turn into more. And I also know Joshua Williamson is dipping over there, too, with uh, Bruno Redondo from Nightwing. Yep. So you're going to see them teaming up. And I'm not sure exactly what story they're doing, but they are doing something it's over gonna there. It's going to be crazy. That's all you need to know. I mean, Joshua Williamson's run right now, too. Oh. Read about it, folks. Some of the best Superman stuff on the line. Yes. They had an amazing weekend there as well. And then uh, they also threw in a curveball too late. I didn't get a chance to attend this panel, but I was hearing about this. Mm-hmm. They are going to be releasing a version of Batman 428. Do you know what that issue is, Pat? No. That is the one that one Jason Todd was killed as Robin. Oh, boy. Isn't it the anniversary this year? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. But they're doing it is the version of he if he actually got the phone call vote. Oh, so if the fans took it seriously. Yeah. Okay. So this is a situation, if anybody is not familiar with, when Jason Todd was Robin. Yep. Uh, was not exactly, how do we say? A fan favorite. Thank you. And they actually came up with a crazy idea in the late 80s. Yep. We're going to have a 900 number. Two, weren't there two of them, or was it just the one and pick one? I, th- I think it w- they might have had two, but, it, okay. but they gave you two options. Do we kill them or do we save them? Right. The vote was under 100 
of how close this was. Right. Well, because there was a lot of folks that voted the one way. Yeah, it's the 35th anniversary. Okay. Uh, actually, it's the 35th anniversary today as we record, uh, bizarrely enough, as is. And I'm going off the DC Uni- DC Universe Infinite.com release date of October 18th, 1988. So, wow, timing on this one. Um, but no, there were some folks that like when they heard the options were like, they'll never do this. I'm going to vote the one way. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And then they actually did it. Yeah. This was a really interesting point in comics and especially with Jason Todd being killed as, and it was a great story, mm-hmm. but obviously he came back years later right. and, and has won fans over. It's kind of a weird thing of the emergence Got of a Red Hood. Very big cult following. Yes. But they're going to actually do that issue if, if he survives. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested to to hear this. Mm-hmm. Like I say, because it, it's going to be the version that if he survived. Because obviously, going into it, creators made uh, two different versions. Yeah, they did. So I'm excited to hear about this. And the other really big news that I heard from DC is Hellblazer is coming back. Huh. So. That is going to be an interesting series. I mean, obviously, John Constantine is a very popular character amongst fans. Yeah, yeah. So to see him come back, and especially with everything they're doing, Dawn of DC, too. Like I said, there was a lot of headlines going on this weekend for DC. Might not have had the uh, pomp and circumstance right. of, of Marvel, but, right. it's, but it's not a shot because if you're a DC fan, there was a lot to be excited about this Jason weekend. Jason Aaron Nuff said. Exactly. Another brand that was making a lot of noise this weekend, too, and this was probably my... Um, Tied for third place finish, if you will. Okay. Skybound Entertainment. Ah. And what is going on in the Energon universe? Now, Pat, are you familiar with that? Uh, well, I know Skybound just recently acquired, and by recently, I mean the last six months or so, uh, acquired the rights to the comics for G.I. Joe and uh, Transformers. Correct. Uh, and so they've kind of relaunched things, and it's all one big universe now. Yes. So it came out of the pages of Void Rivals, written by Robert Kirkman. Transformers number one just hit the shelves by Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, amazing issue, too, by the way. If you haven't picked it up, you need to go get it. And they had the creators on for the titles that are coming out. So Joshua Williamson was there. And I will say this was probably the most hysterical panel of the weekend. Uh-huh. Because if you don't know Daniel Warren Johnson, he is a big pro wrestling fan. Oh, okay. Like, he's into GCW, New Japan. Okay. Like, and I will say this, if you haven't read Transformers, I won't spoil anything, but a character was killed, mm-hmm. a very popular one. Uh-oh. And when he was pressed about it, he said, I did it because, uh, paraphrasing, I just didn't want to draw him. <laughs> and he started getting booed. He goes, I don't care. I, I embrace your tears. <laughs> it fuels me. Going right into heel mode. That's and, amazing. And, in fact, he even said, he goes, "This you don't need to acknowledge me. This is an MJF household right here. <laughs> like, he was going in. I loved the energy. I Ooh, loved it. Robert awesome. Robert Kirkman, not a fan of pro wrestling. He, okay. was, he was not a fan of that. Joshua Williamson, though, is. Okay. And he was saying uh, a lot about the new Duke and Cobra Commander series that's coming out. Okay. At year's end and the beginning of the next year, too. Very excited to uh, check those out. There is going to be something in Transformers 2 that we're kind of spoiling a little bit that we do see the introduction of a certain G.I. Joe character. Mm. And you're going to see the growth of G.I. Joe, so it's not pre-established, which I thought is a very interesting take. At least that's yeah. the way I took it from the yeah. panel. But they're also having a Cobra Commander book, and you're seeing it written like a horror story. Hmm. So a lot of cool things coming out with that universe. Uh, and, in fact, the giveaway at the end of this panel, the Duke Ashcan. Oh, which I was lucky enough to have signed 
by one Joshua Williamson. Mm. Talk to him for a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, we'll be talking to him as well. Stay tuned. Dot, dot, dot. So they had a big presence, though, in effect with The Walking Dead and Invincible. 20-year panel, too. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. So, like I say, they had a lot going on, and I like how you alluded to, we'll get into the, the TV properties a little bit now, with Invincible's uh, trailer for yes. season two. Yes. What was your thoughts on that? Love the trailer. I uh, kind of love the, I feel like the over, and spoilers, but it's been out how long at this point. You know, I it, the general, like, overhanging cloud, I guess you could say, is where the fuck is Omni-Man, and you're kind of waiting on him to come in and wreck house. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's going to be a couple episodes before we see that, you know, but just kind of like the fallout and what happens and kind of the public reaction to what happened, you know, with last season and kind of how the the public reacts to that is going to be probably my, my favorite thing to see. Super excited for it to come back though. No, absolutely. It looked incredible. Um, definitely a lot of things to be amped up about. Mm-hmm. So I, if you're a fan of invincible and you should be, uh, November 3rd, I believe, the season uh, returns. Yes, yes. So you definitely want to make sure you're watching that. And also, I mean, obviously you talk Robert Kirkman, we got to talk Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And there was a big panel going on for that. What was your feelings of the takeaway about the big announcements going on there, Pat? Uh, interested to see where it goes. You know, I've, 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 it's fallen off for me a little bit just because I haven't gotten around to checking out, you know, the Daryl Dixon show or any of the other stuff. You know, I'm kind of waiting for the Rick and Michonne mm-hmm. movie, TV show, whatever it is to come around. You know, I was I was interested to hear that uh, Melissa McBride is coming for season two of, uh, of Daryl yeah, Dixon's show. Yeah, that was show. surprising. Because I know it was a whole, because the show was actually fit it takes place in france it was filmed overseas in france and i know that was a whole sticking point for her allegedly and what was reported you know in the trades uh was it was a whole sticking point of being overseas so it's going to be interesting to see you know if anything changed or or, or hear what changed you know to kind of change her mind but i'm happy for, she's back you know that, that kind of dynamic and, and romance i guess you could say between the two has always been a fan favorite yeah it's one that it's very cool to see her return yeah and, i mean she's always been a fan favorite tagged with daryl dixon for the dawn of time so to see how this all plays out because i mean obviously his story has changed a lot since he's not the, supposed to survive the first season yeah but he's grown into one of the most memorable characters of pop culture well, so, so then that was what 10 plus years ago yeah well i mean 20 yeah well for the well for the show yeah it is definitely interesting to see how this all shapes up, and especially, too, how you alluded to the Rick and Michonne yeah. movie, TV, whatever it is. There was a, a, if you want to call it, trailer put out. Yeah, there, there, there was. There wasn't much to it, though. No, it was a little teaser for The Ones Who Live. So yep. that was the official name of their yep. media thing. Je ne sais quoi, if you will. Like, I don't. I don't I, I, until I actually know when this, this project is coming out yeah. and, and dropping. I, I don't know what to call it because I've heard movie, I've it's, heard it's show. It's been talked about for so long. Yeah, until I'm actually watching it. Like, this is on the New Mutants level for me. Yeah. Or Black yeah. Adam. Like, until I'm actually sitting somewhere and watching this. And, and they're saying February 2024. Mm-hmm. So until I'm actually sitting watching it, yeah, I'm, I'm still not believing it's happening. That's just me. So, I mean, I hope to be proved wrong. Right. But I'm very interested to see how this all shapes up. Also, another television show that came out that we are definitely going to be keeping our eyes on, and this kind of dominated my weekend, mm-hmm. and that was Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Heard a little bit about it. Yeah, so this is the new Godzilla show that is coming to Apple TV+, Plus, mm-hmm. November 17th, mm-hmm. and I was lucky, along with Rich, to be in attendance for the screener for it. Right. 
So no spoilers with this, but a lot to be excited about. Sure. So I I don't think that's spoiling anything. No, I'm just happy to see kind of the uh, monster universe, whatever you want to call it, the you know the American films universe is continuing. Just because I know there was a little bit left up in the air after mm-hmm. Godzilla versus King Kong, you know, because the contract between the movie studio and uh, and Toho over in Japan had ended. And yeah, are they going to do it? Are they not? Look at the box office numbers and all this other stuff. But to see it's actually continuing because I've actually enjoyed those movies. Like they're not the best movies in the world. Mm-hmm. But I've still enjoyed them, and I've enjoyed the universe they've kind of built with this. I'm intrigued to see where they go with it. To see it kind of branch out and grow is awesome to see. Yeah, this is going to be one that fans are definitely going to want to check out on November 17th. And it's it's a very it. I was very impressed with what I saw. Okay, I got to remember I can't say anything uh, spoilerish. Mm, mm. Trying to walk that line very very tightly. Right. However, though, I can talk about something that we went to after, and I mean, shout out to Toho. And the Japan Society. Uh huh. Rich, Tom from Off the Cuff, and Eric uh, from Collider, amongst a, a, color, a couple other media outlets. Shout out to Eric. We all went to a screening for Godzilla 54 and 35mm. Oh, very cool. Yes. And that was an amazing experience to go see that. You don't get to see that very often. No, we don't. Especially in 35mm. Yeah, no, it was Ooh. it was truly like if you're a cinema fan, like, yeah. this, then this was something. We all were excited about uh, to close out Saturday night with. Nice. And can't rave enough about the presentation done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very excited to see what is coming in the future, which I have to be that guy I can't talk about. Okay. Okay. Um, just yet. But trust me, we will be talking about more Godzilla on the show as the months progress. Okay. Just putting that on the world. Okay. I mean, Pat, I know you had one show that you caught up with on here this weekend that was making a lot of noise, too. Yes. Uh, so this was the panel for the Dragon Ball franchise, which, of course, has been spanning since the 1980s. Uh, still going strong. They put out an awesome trailer uh, after the panel was over for the upcoming series, which everyone thought would be called Dragon Ball Magic. No, it's called Dragon Ball Daima. Uh, and, and much like the leaks, some of the leaks did turn out to be true. The trailer did show that it, it does feature Goku and the Supreme Kai. As kids, mm-hmm. you know, they, they the Dragon Balls get used uh, and they turn Goku and the Supreme Kai back into children uh, and they have to travel to another planet to kind of undo whatever the hell happened with this. Mm-hmm. But the one thing the leagues didn't get right, because they didn't even mention this, it's not just Goku and the Supreme Kai. It is literally everyone on Earth. At least, at least the main characters. So you see Goku's a child. Vegeta's a child. Bulma, Vegeta's wife, and Chi-Chi, Goku's wife, are, ch- are children. The Ox King is a is a child and wearing his old uh, costume from Dragon Ball, which I love to see on screen again. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, you also Piccolo is a child. Sorry, Goten and Trunks fans. We just got them uh, aged up for the first time in like fucking 10, 15 years. But nope, they're back to babies now. Uh, but this is going to be wild. Don't know where the heck they're going with this because there's some, definitely some screenshots in this that have got some fans talking. Uh, you, there was a screenshot of Majin Buu and Bobbity from Dragon Ball Z feature, mm-hmm. which everyone's like, oh, shit, is Bobbity coming back? Because that would be all sorts of wild. Uh, don't know a firm release date or what's going to happen with it stateside. Uh, we do know it is coming out in the fall of 2024. Uh, the Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama is involved with this. A lot of people getting Dragon Ball GT vibes from this. And okay. It does borrow that a little bit. Obviously, Goku's a kid again, you know, whatever, you know, travel to a different world, whatever else. 
But unlike with Dragon Ball GT, where where Akira Toriyama did some of the character designs, he did nothing with the story. Hmm. You know, he doesn't even view the story as canon. Really? No, he doesn't. But with this, he's doing the character designs. He's doing you know work with the plot and everything else. So he's very heavily involved. Some have even gone on. Uh, one of the producers, I guess, even said at the panel that he's more involved with this than he's been with some of the other stuff in, in recent history. So I'm super excited for this. Like I said, don't know how they're going to release it here. Stateside. I'm guessing probably a similar setup like they did for dragon ball super, uh, where the episode would air in Japan, like at eight o'clock PM Eastern time. And then at nine o'clock, cause it would be over by, it would be over by nine or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be on Crunchyroll. Which means if they do that same thing, a lot of fans are in Dragon Ball these days. Gonna warn you now, if you if you end up watching Dragon Ball Daima, if they go this same route on Crunchyroll, don't try to watch it on your phone. Don't try to watch it on your console or your smart TV. You're gonna have to go PC. Yeah. Because that was literally the only way I was able to watch it. Otherwise, I had to stay off social media for like an entire night and then watch it the next day because by morning it would be good and I could watch it on my phone. Uh, super excited for this, though. It looks awesome. Yeah, no, it definitely looked awesome. Like I said, I didn't get a chance to catch it live, but from what I've been able to catch, yeah. it looked amazing. I mean, Dragon Ball had such a big presence. Bandai had an amazing presence. Yeah. Crunchyroll was doing a lot of big things that weekend, too. Got a chance to see the new episode of My Hero Academia. Nice. So can't talk about it, but that's one. It's a it's a gift and a curse, folks. Mm-hmm. I love going as press, but there's a lot of stuff I can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can get into some random stuff or some stuff you didn't expect to yeah. while you're down there. I mean, I saw your photos you posted, uh, and they had the giant uh, Juju Kaisen yeah. thing, which I'd heard people talking about, but I hadn't gotten on my radar. But I saw your photos of like the giant display they had there. Decided to check it out. It's real good. Yeah, no, they, they came out with a big presence. Like I say, Bandai looked amazing, and Crunchyroll, too. Like I mm-hmm. say, they really had a good portion of the Javits sales floor like to themselves. And, I believe it. And the fans were just buzzing about it so like I yeah said, there's so so much of a big win about it and it's just it's one of the things that the cool experience we get to do like an- another one and let's say like this was a highlight two of the weekend too to kind of cap things off we as the odph were invited to the comiXology uh originals uh breakfast cool and that was a very cool moment shout out to dave and pamela from superfan promotions uh we absolutely love working with them and we got a chance to go and talk to some of the creators of comiXology originals and also, we were privy to some news about some new books coming out. Mm. Uh, one of which is one of my favorite series on that line, and that is the All Nighter uh. by Chip Zdarsky. Okay, and Jason Liu. Oh, okay. Who they said this is the final season they're going to do. If you haven't checked that series out, it is in print form via Dark Horse Comics. Okay, a lot of those stories do translate from Comicsology over to Dark Horse. Right, right. So you're going to hear about that. Um, and that's going to be dropping on Halloween. Oh, so definitely excited to check that out. And uh, you never know. Maybe we'll be talking to some folks. Stay tuned. Also, they announced a few other books. Uh, Boxed is coming out, too, which is a very cool story by Mark Sable and Jeremy Hahn. Uh So that one is going to be coming out, I believe, in November. Nice. Very cool AI story kind of involvement. So really digging that. And also Neil Klein and John Brolia are are reteaming for Nice Jewish Boys, which is, according to the press release, a modern-day Jewish suburban crime drama. Interesting. Excited to check this out in November as well. That could go some places. Yeah. Interesting. They have a lot of great books on comicsology. Like, we are fortunate enough we get to review them a lot, and it's some of the top names in comics. Uh-huh. 
uh, Alex Segura, Chip Zdarsky, Stephanie Phillips, Scott mm-hmm. Snyder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list goes on and on. They just they have a great lineup over there, and the books match it too. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I, I mean, I, I will scream about it. Go sign up for it. And if you're somebody that needs to have it in print form, go um, pick it up via Dark Horse. Mm, okay. I mean, they, they come out, like I say, all those issues come out. I mean, that's just one great thing about con, like in general, is just an amazing time. And that was a, a you know an experience like we are fortunate yeah. if we get to do here. And it's also one that we get to meet a lot of creators. Yeah, that's always the fun part. Yeah. Um, shout out to the entire Massiverse team, Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, uh, Michael Basudel, uh Kelly McMahon, who's doing Bad Blood, the murder mystery card game, Mac mm-hmm. Room, Erica Durso, Valerie Fococcia, um, Brian Busolato, um, Melissa Flores. Yep. Like, uh, they pretty much, uh, I had the shut up and take my money moment because <laughs> I have so much signed by them. But I obviously, if you listen to the show, you know how much of a fan I am. Yeah, this is true. And everybody's very cool. We actually uh, got to go hang out with them for the Massiverse meetup. Nice. That was an experience, uh, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely excited for it. And it was just, it was a, another fun moment to do. Also, we got a chance to talk to the good, our good friend Scott Snyder. Mm. So, always a pleasure talking to him. And, yeah, I mean, we might have something for the patrons uh, concerning Mr. Scott and Mr. Tom Craven. So stay tuned for that, dot, wink, dot, dot. Wink, wink. Yeah, also got to meet Geraldo Borges, who does the artwork for No One, Ooh. Thunderbolts, and Dick Tracy. He is amazing, folks. Uh, there is something I am getting framed, so that's why you haven't seen a lot of pictures posted yet. Nice. But he he uh, did something for me that is very, very nice, and I, I seriously mean this from the bottom of my heart. He is one of the nicest people I've met in this entire content creating journey. I support him because I think he's a fantastic artist, but after meeting him in person, like I cannot sing the praises of him enough. He is fantastic, and his artwork speaks for itself. So whether it's Thunderbolts that's coming out via Marvel or Dick Tracy in the new year via mm-hmm. Mad Cave Studios, shout out to Mad Cave, mm-hmm. go support him. He is like one of the best people we have met, and I can sing his praises all day. Nice. Yeah, uh, we met the team from Ghost Machine, like I think I alluded to, uh, talking with Jeff Johns and, right. and Gary Frank and Brian right. Hitch. That was wild, too. I mean, it, it's just, it, it caps off a great weekend, and it takes, you know, the precedence of enjoying your fandom. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say, no matter if you're in the anime, there's something for you there. If you're in the cosplay, and there's so many amazing cosplayers there. Uh, shout out to Justin from Sound Go Round. Saw that. He had some awesome stuff. Yeah, he got reposted by New York Comic Con on the official account. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, so, did not see that. Yeah, That's awesome. So definitely, if anybody needs that picture, I will be more than happy to send you to his page and hook that up. I did see the photo, though. Somebody cosplayed as a Sentinel from X-Men. That was fucking insane. Yeah, that was wild. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, but that's a great thing about it. Like, fans can come out there, celebrate, and, and especially for being New York. Uh-huh. It was very, very calm, very peaceful, very like you know, not so aggressive, and everybody's just happy to be there. That's the thing I always tell people when they ask me what New York Comic Con is like. They're like, "Oh, it's got to be crazy and just you know, high tensions." I'm like, "No, it's really not." I go, "Is it a lot of people yet?" You know, when you count the fans in attendance plus the press, plus the workers, plus you know, the celebrities and the artists and the you know what all the other you know industry people you know whatever there's probably like a quarter of a million people inside this place yeah but like you bump into somebody you step on somebody's foot accidentally and like any other situation it might be like hey what the are you doing yeah but no in this instance like hey whoops sorry oh no it's all good man yeah no it's a beautiful time we always love doing it uh shout out to read pop and new york comic con's uh head of operations because they allowed us to come down as press we're hoping to come back next year nerd initiative too shout out to them as well they had an amazing panel with john cataleone talking uh movie makeup 
Yeah. And, uh, and our very own Michael Rothman was painted up as the Joker, uh, which was amazing. So the photos are on there online. So, I mean, all in all, it was an amazing weekend. We have a lot to discuss about it moving forward, and you're going to see a lot more news happening here with the ODPH with a lot more people that uh, we bumped into. So you have to stay tuned and have to talk about it with us. So the easiest way to do it is hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from New York Comic Con? What was your favorite stories you heard about? There was so many of so much to talk about. There's a lot of deep dives happening. So no matter what you want to talk about, we are definitely going to deep dive on all the socials. And if you even want more coverage, make sure you're following nerdinitiative.com because there is more videos uh, coming out via Rich from 3FN who did an amazing job with the videos on TikTok as well this weekend. And more from Off the Cuff Tom. Like I said, there, we got New York Comic Con covered like nobody else. So definitely let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you better listen to the ODPH podcast or I'm coming for you and Batman is coming for you. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a few things to talk about. Uh, first of which is looking for something to do this upcoming Saturday or perhaps uh, on Wednesday the 25th. Well, I have something for you uh, on this upcoming Saturday specifically is Back to the Future Day uh, because that is the date in the movie that Marty McFly time travels to. Uh, but this coming Saturday specifically is going to be in theaters. Uh, check your local theaters uh, if it'll be showing in your area. But you will get to see a re-release of Back to the Future in theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. so That's uh, cool, though. In time for Back to the Future Day, so definitely cool to see and something to check out this weekend if you're looking for something to do. Uh, if it's not showing in your area this weekend, though, or next week, you don't have long to wait to watch something because we found out the release date for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse uh, when it will be streaming, and it will be streaming on Netflix here in the U.S. on October 31st, 2023. So definitely not long to wait and definitely something to check out uh, if you haven't seen it yet uh, or you, you need to watch it again. Uh, switching over to some video game news, though, we did get an exciting announcement that Jonathan Reese davies is returning to reprise the role of Gimli in the upcoming video game, Lord of the Rings, Return to Moria. Uh, so the article from Eurogamer.net reads, quote, John Reese davies is set to return to Middle Earth when the Lord of the Rings Return to Moria releases in just one week's time. Reese davies who played Lord Gimli, Lockbearer, in Peter Jackson's film trilogy, will once again voice the dwarven hero as he is providing his vocal stylings to the upcoming co-op survival crafting title. Quote, It's always fun to come back and think of the what-ifs, and the chance to work on this game is an exp- and uh, is an exploration of one of the what-ifs, isn't it? Reese davies said of his inclusion in the game. Actors often create characters out of love, and it's very hard sometimes to let them go. Certainly, Gimli is, for me, a character that I really adore, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to reprise him in a different context. Close quote. You can hear how Reese Davies' Return to Moria Gimli sounds, complete with uh, lots of suitably well-rolled R's uh, in the trailer released, uh, which they did release a trailer. Uh, article goes on to say, The Lord of the Rings Return to Moria, which was announced last year, promises to take players into the fourth age of Middle-earth and beyond the stories told in Tolkien's books. Quote, Summoned to the Misty Mountains by Lord Gimli Lockbearer, Players band together as a company of dwarves tasked to reclaim the lost spoils from the dwarven homeland of Moria, known as Khazad-dûm or Dwarodelf, in the depths below their very feet, the game's description reads. 
Their quest will require fortitude and teamwork, delving deep into the mines of Moria to recover its treasures and in the hopes of one day restoring them to their former glory. Close quote. Game looks awesome. Yeah, it looks dope. Uh, we'll be coming out uh, this upcoming week, uh, this upcoming uh, week, uh, October 24th for the Windows and PC or PS5, excuse me. Uh, it will be coming out uh, on the Xbox Series X slash S sometime next year. But this isn't this isn't isn't an uh, a new story. Tolkien certainly, if you read the appendices uh, in Return of the King, did kind of plan out everything that happens for a long ass time in, mm-hmm. in that universe. Uh, and certainly, one of them was the dwarves reclaiming uh, Moria. So definitely going to be interesting to see. And if I ever get a goddamn PS5, uh, I will definitely be checking that out. That's why everybody needs to sign up for Patreon. Yes, we if we get enough, we will get pad. A PS5. Yes. Uh, sw- uh, switching over to some streaming news and news I am fucking over the moon about. We are getting officially a Gargoyles live action series for really? Disney+. Plus. Oh my god, yes. So reading from an article on thehollywoodreporter.com, quote, Almost 30 years after first appearing as an animated television series, Gargoyles is taking flight once more, this time in live action. Two major names in the creature feature business, Gary Doberman and James Wan's Atomic Monster Banner, known for their collaborations on the hit Annabelle horror movies, have teamed up to remake the 1990s cartoon as a live action series for Disney+. Dauberman will write, executive produce, and show run the series with Atomic Monster, the company run by Juan and Michael Clear, joining the executive producing ranks. The project is described as being an in early development at Disney branded television. Gargoyles was made by Walt Disney Television Animation and aired three seasons from 1994 to 1997. The premise involved gargoyle statues moved from a castle in Scotland to modern day New York. Once in the Big Apple, the statues awaken from a thousand-year-old spell and take on the mantle of protecting the city, becoming, as the show's narration gravely said, stone by day, warriors by night. The series created by Greg Weissman came during a time of innovation in series animation, with Gargoyles riding a wave of shows with more complex storylines and darker tones that also included Batman the Animated Series and X-Men. As with those shows, Gargoyles burrowed into the consciousness of a generation of TV watchers who gave, who have given it cult status. Uh, close quote. So super excited for this. Gonna say right now, Keith David for Goliath or I fucking riot. Because uh, Keith David voices Goliath in the animated series, and nobody else can do that voice. I know you're going to say fucking Pete Davidson. <laughs> I actually don't hate that, because there is a couple of characters I could think he could do the voice for. There is the uh, gargoyle character named... Uh, so all the gargoyles are named after stuff in New York. Right. So you got the one named Lexington. Yep. Younger. He could do that one. That's what I was thinking, Lexington. Lexington or Brooklyn. Lexington, he'd be good as Lexington or Brooklyn. You know, I'd, I'd be fine with that. You know, but Gar, uh, Goliath, no. Keith David or I fucking riot. You know who might actually, now that I think about it, Idris Elba wouldn't be bad. Okay, so here's my challenge for you. Okay. In between shows. Okay. I want you to put on Twitter, at Meslin, go follow Pad. Mm-hmm. Can you give me your fan casting for the show, or the movie? Yeah, I can probably yeah. th- I can probably throw stuff for the just for the gargoyles, and then I'll throw in, uh, well, Christ, Xanatos has got to be done by Jonathan Frakes. Okay, he has to he has to play that character again because 
that's the other thing crazy too. So if you haven't seen Gargoyles, the entire series, including that god awful third season, mm-hmm. is on Disney Plus. This show for like the non gargoyle characters is basically what would happen if Star Trek the Next Generation went evil. Yeah. Because half of the villains in that show were on Star Trek. It's fucking hilarious because you're like, wait, I know that voice. You look up who played said voice, and you're like, oh shit, they were on Star Trek. Um, but no, so Jonathan Frakes has got to do Xanatos. There again, him and Keith David are requirements for that. Everybody else, so I can, I can probably throw something together. Yeah, no, I want to see this on Twitter, so definitely make make that happen. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of things that are nostalgic and from the '90s that I absolutely love, found out this one is certainly out of left field, uh, and that is there is a Matilda reunion in the works. What? Yeah. So reading from an article on Deadline.com says, "quote Danny DeVito is revealing he has plans to reunite with his Matilda co-star Mara Wilson for a concert event that would see them narrating the 1990." film quote Mara and I were planning to perform Matilda live with the New Jersey Philharmonic Orchestra just before the strike hit DeVito told the messenger about the reunion that was postponed due to the SAG after strike we had it all set but after the strike hit we couldn't proceed because it would be seen as a promotion for a move for a movie close quote he continued however we're still planning to do that we're going to watch the movie with David Newman's score and try to do it sometime soon as it seems the strike may be coming to an end I hope, close quote. DeVito directed the film based on the Roald Dahl uh, children's book about a six-year-old genius who develops telekinetic powers and who is neglected by her family. The Matilda in Concert event has had been originally scheduled for September 9th at the State Theater in uh, State Theater, New Jersey, but was postponed due to the actor strike. Quote, everyone involved in this production was very much looking forward to performing together this September, and we are disappointed to have to postpone it. But we look forward to holding this performance on a future date once the strike is concluded, uh, reads the statement on the theater's website. Uh, the website only mentioned DeVito as the narrator of the film, but according to the actor, Wilson is also seemingly going to make an appearance, close quote. I love this movie. This was one of my favorite movies growing up, especially this Trunchbull throwing the child like a fucking Olympic, like it's an Olympic event. It's yeah. one of the more memorable scenes in movies for me as a kid. So the fact that like they're going to do this is even all the more awesome. Yeah, no, that's crazy. That, mm-hmm. like, that I did not see coming. Yeah, no, neither did I. Uh, and speaking of things we did not see coming, uh, it was announced last week that Best Buy is going to end their the sale of DVD and Blu-rays in their stores. Really? So, yeah, so reading from an article on Variety.com, it says, quote, the consumer electronics retailer will phase out DVD sales of DVDs and Blu-ray discs, both in-store and online, in early 2024. According to industry sources familiar with the company's plans, Best Buy made the initial decision to end DVD sales nine months ago, according to one source. Best Buy confirmed Friday that it is ending sales of DVDs, quote, to state the obvious, the way we we watch movies and TV shows is much different today than it was decades ago, Uh, a Best Buy spokesperson said in a statement to Variety. Making this change gives us more space and opportunity to bring customers new and innovative tech for them to explore, discover, and enjoy. Best Buy will continue to sell movies and TV shows on physical discs through the 2023 holiday shopping season online and in stores. Before discontinuing sales in the new year, the company will continue to sell video games. As of mid-2023, Best Buy had 1,129 store locations with 969 of those in the United States. Uh, news of the Best Buy news of Best Buy's ending DVD sales was first reported by home entertainment blog The Digital Bits. Close quote. Uh, and not one to miss an opportunity to chime in. Uh, the folks over at Barnes and Noble on their Twitter account did tweet quote FYI, we will still be carrying DVDs in 2024. <laughs> close quote. 
Well, I mean, it's a sign of the times. Yeah, no, um, it is. Yeah. I mean, even for our local Best Buy, you know, which I don't go into super frequently just because I don't really need that much all, the, all yeah. that much these days. But when I do, I remember going in, and, and maybe this was just poor timing on my part. But you walk in and, and you got the rack display of the new div- the, the new movies that have come out within the last couple of weeks. And, like, I'd go there a couple times, and it'd be relatively empty. Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, could be just I timed it wrong and I went after everybody bought stuff on a popular week or something. But just, and, and especially like I remember a couple of years ago going and, and looking at, you know, the movies and the TV shows they'd have there. Just like I might be looking for something for, you know, an inspiration for like, oh, I want that for my birthday. I want that for, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I, and I forgot about it. But like I remember going and seeing a ton of selections and a ton of this and it, but now it's like a ton of TV show options not a whole lot of movie options and what movie options there are it's like a lot of there's like a giant display of disney stuff which Mm. understandable but sure with disney plus kind of question it you know but then the other stuff it's like collections it's like oh you know the godfather collection the star wars collection the daniel craig bond collection you know the 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 roger moore bond collection it's it's a lot of collections it's not a lot of like hey here's a movie from a couple years ago you might have missed out on that you can pick up still Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, like I say, it's a sign of time, especially the streaming services booming. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. no purpose to yeah. because that's the incentive to buy it. So I understand. I mean, it, but this is something that it depends on what time mm-hmm. era you're born in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that a lot of this is just my opinion, I guess. I, sure. I, I could word it like this. I remember when you used to get in line and you'd have to go to the record store because mm-hmm. the big CD or record was dropping. Right. Like, you know, I remember like this is back in the day when you'd hear like uh million debuts in a week, mm-hmm. you know, units yeah. sold in a week. Yeah. And fans would be camped out. Yeah. And it'd be like, like I say, I always compare it like when Wu Tang Forever came out. Right. Like I remember people skipping school and, and going to the record store and like right. camped out for the copy. Right. Because it was the hottest ticket in town. Right. When you lose that, you really lose the temp in the room and you really mm-hmm. lose that moment of fandom. Mm hmm. And, I mean, kind of circling back to New York Comic Con, and I know it's like people go, well, I, you know, I get my digital comics. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But there's still nothing like having a, having a book to read and mm-hmm. handing it off and, 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 you know, getting that signed. And I think that nowadays people miss that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad. Well, and, and speaking of Sign of the Times, uh, a report came out from the folks over at comicbook.com uh, literally a day later after the Best Buy news came out, and that is Walmart is reportedly going to stop selling physical games in 2024. Mm, I mean, same. Uh, and it reads, quote, Walmart is reportedly going to stop carrying physical games for select platforms next year. Over the last decade or so, we have seen a major rise in digital content. You can get all of your games on day one digitally and even download them before they come out. Movies are available to buy on digital before they are physical. And of course, streaming has made it so made it so people always have a big library at their fingertips without actually without having to actually own anything. Mm-hmm. This has made physical media fall out of favor with the public, but there is still a vocal group of people fighting to make sure it has a chance to stick around. Unfortunately, it seems it may be on its very last legs. This year, Target got rid of all of its physical movies across various stores. Best Buy also announced plans to stop selling movies next year. But both retailers plan to keep video games for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, one retailer won't be sticking with video games according to a new rumor. 
Limited Run Games CEO Josh Fairhurst took to Twitter to state that Walmart is is getting rid of physical Xbox games next year and expects more cuts will happen deeper in 2024. It's unclear why Xbox is being singled out by Walmart, though it may have to do with the Xbox Series S being a digital-only console and therefore a portion of Xbox games aren't even able to be bought physically now. Nevertheless, it's likely the rest will continue to be all, also be removed from stores in the future. Uh, close quote. And uh, so they did, they did include the tweet in the article and he said, uh, quote, I would expect to see this trend continue in 2024. I've heard rumblings that Walmart is dropping physical Xbox games soon. And I have to imagine further cuts to physical gaming sections will be made as we get deeper into next year. Close quote. So this one, you know, a little surprising too, but again, not really surprisingly. So just because I remember with our Walmart, Walmart, you know, a couple of years ago, like about 10, 15 years ago, just how big the gaming section was. So mm-hmm. you like, you had all the, all the selections, you had stations to demo the games and try the games out and all this. And it was for PlayStation, Xbox, yeah. Nintendo, you know, and now it's kind of like, it's one, it's one case. It's maybe a half a dozen to a dozen games. And a lot of them are just repeated, like in, in different facings, mm-hmm. you know, different facings on the shelf. And it's not that big a selection. So Walmart, I kind of saw coming, but still surprising a little bit. It's surprising. It's a sign of the time. So Mm -hmm. I will say this. If you're a fan of going out and getting those physical medias, still find a way to do it. Yeah. And if, you know, like I say, if not, just, I would say just try finding like some memorabilia where you can. You know, like always have that moment. Like if something stands out to you that really means that much that you go out and buy it, Mm -hmm. then you obviously carry that spirit with you. Yeah. So let's get into the comic reviews of the week because, man, there's a lot of great selections this week. Pat, kick us off. I got a few to talk about. Uh, Two from DC, one from the folks over at Dynamite Comics. Uh, The two from DC, Superman issue number seven from Joshua Williamson. This is the oversized issue number 850 anniversary issue. Uh, The description of this reads, quote, Superman number 850, a special oversized issue celebrating Superman and his super legacy. Since the start of Superman 1 and Dawn of DC, a mystery has been brewing in metropolis now that mystery secrets are unleashed and start with startling revelations that set up a massive story in 2024 the chained continues as superman battles against an overpowered new menace who wants to destroy metropolis superman must decide if he's willing to follow lex's tragic orders to take the chain down and lex luthor is visited by a blast from his past one that will impact his future forever this one is ad- going to be absolutely freaking bonkers. It's 44 pages long. Yeah, it means the 850th issue. How crazy mm-hmm. is that to say? That is wild. It's amazing, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, also crazy, wild, and I cannot believe it's actually happening. Issue number one is out for the Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, this, Let's talk about this. So the description of this one is, The cataclysmic crossover event of the year is here as the DC Universe clashes with Legendary's MonsterVerse and Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Clark Kent is enjoying a night off with a very important dinner plan with his girlfriend, Lois Lane, when the entire city shudders under the weight of the monstrous Godzilla who emerges from the bay. What started as a routine clash between the Justice League and the the Legion of Doom takes a dangerous turn when the wall between worlds is breached, with Godzilla, 
Kong, and the MonsterVerse emerging on DC's Earth. What, ensu- what ensues will be a brawl of unprecedented scale and destruction from acclaimed writer Brian uh, Busoletto from yep. Injustice and best-selling artist Christian Deuce from Batman slash Fortnite Zero Point. This one looks nuts. Uh, for those of you wondering at home, no, it's not on the DC Prime Earth. Uh, it's, a, it's a separate universe, so don't expect any. That's why Lois is the girlfriend, not the, mm. wife, not the wife, but this looks fucking nuts. Uh, I should I say a spoiler or no? Uh, no. Um, no. Well, this, not not about the story. Oh, okay. Happened to chat with one Brian Busolato. Okay. We're working out the date. He's o- ODPH bound. Hey, all right. So stay tuned for that in the near future. We we definitely are going to talk to him about this. Uh, Midlife, which is out right now. If you haven't checked that out by Image Comics, definitely make a point to. And no one. By Black Market Narrative. Shout out to Kyle Higgins and Geraldo Borges over there, too. That Brian is co-writer on that book. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a lot to talk about when that interview is coming. And then lastly, and certainly not least, from the folks over at Dynamite Comics, uh, Gargoyle's Halloween special, issue number one. Uh, this one reads, it's young uh, Nash's first Halloween in Manhattan, and you're invited to come along as he heads out to find friends on the one night of the year when gargoyles can roam the city unbothered. Unfortunately, he's about to run afoul of the masked quarrymen who are, are out to hunt down any gargoyle foolish enough to brave the streets on All Hallows' Eve. Mm. That means Brooklyn, Katana, Lexington, Broadway, Angela, and even Goliath are in real danger. Will they survive this cruel trick or become a treat for the marauding quarrymen? Find out in October with this all-new 40-page special featuring 28-page main story written by Gargoyle's creator Greg Weissman. Gargoyles, it's Halloween. You cannot go wrong. I was going to say that's perfect timing for that. Yes, it is. Absolutely amazing. Uh, For me, I mean, you had a couple of my picks right there, too. Uh, The Godzilla Kong Justice League book is very, very good. Mm -hmm. Um, No spoilers on that, but like I say, I guess we had to leak that out because I was super excited. Uh, Talking with Brian about that book, there's a lot of cool things that you're going to want to keep an eye on that series for. And for Superman, I mean, Joshua Williamson is killing it right now. Mm -hmm. So definitely go make sure to check that out. However, though, if it's DC, there's one. Well, I should say there's one A and one B. I didn't get a chance to read the new Nightwing this week. I'm yet, so I will recommend it though because it's Tom Taylor. Enough said. But arguably the best superhero book on the block returns in a big way with its original creative team in tow: Mark Wade, Dan Mora, Batman World, Superman World's Finest, number twenty. Pad, two words. Okay. Kingdom Come. Oh shit. That's all I'm going to say about the book. Oh, boy. But let me just say, you will not be disappointed, folks. Okay. You will not be disappointed at all. Also, from Image Comics, there is one of my favorite series out by Tony Fleeks, Tim Seeley, and that is Local Man, number Mm. six. So this is, if you're an old-school Image Comics fan, like we're talking the birth of Spawn, Wildcats, Youngblood, Shadowhawk, this is up your alley. Because it's a great story and how it plays out in modern time. Like it, it's it's a fantastic concept for a book. So I highly recommend Local Man number six. Also Image Comics and somebody else I talked to at New York Comic Con as well, and that is Drew Craig's The Savage Strength of Starstorm, number six. Tying up the first arc, a lot of stuff is happening in life of Grant Garrison. You definitely want to make sure you check that out. And especially too, I'm showing Pad right now, the cover. Do you recognize this? A little bit. 
it's Walking Dead month. Oh. So a lot of the variants for Image Comics uh, nice. in the upcoming weeks here are going to have Walking Dead variants. So uh, the the one for Starstorm is very, very cool. I definitely dig this. Uh, I would love to get the print of this. I'm just going to put that on the in the universe. But this story, this series has actually been fun if you like a throwback superhero tale. And it's one that, I mean, I've been hooked on. And it's it just where Drew comes up with ideas for it. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's, it's crazy. Like, there's hundreds of characters in this book. And it's only six issues in. A lot of stuff is happening with that one, so you definitely make sure you don't miss that. And, of course, from Boom Studios, the coolest book on the block is out this week. Grim number 14. Stephanie Phillips, Flaviano, Rico Renzi, Tom Napolitano. It's amazing. And they they do one very cool thing in the beginning of the book that if you listen to the ODPH long enough and you read parlay points, you know I was super happy to see this return, and I'm just not going to spoil it. Marty Stoked from the Nerd Initiative, and I teamed up for a review for this for nerdinitiative.com, so you definitely want to head over there and check it out. But it's grim, it's amazing, and enough said. Like, it should be in your pull list. Shout out to Boom Studios. A lot of other great picks this week over at nerdinitiative.com, so you definitely want to make sure to check that out. And one more late review that will be coming this week, and that's Duck and Cover number two, Scott Snyder, uh, Raphael um, Albuquerque. And this story is getting absolutely crazy, so you definitely want to make sure you check check that out on Comixology Originals. And also check out Biothread, too. Can't speak highly enough about that series with Scott and his son Jack writing. Uh, And uh, Valerie Ficocci is our... It's absolutely incredible. A lot of great stuff at the comic shops this week, so definitely head on over to nerdinitiative.com. Let us know what you're reading. Hit us up at the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What are you reading? And as always, remember to go out and support your favorite LCS wherever you're at in the world. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this edition. So for the one and only, Padawan J. Congratulations and a happy retirement to uh, actor Michael Caine. Thank you for all of the amazing films and wow. projects you were in over the years. Uh, happy retirement, sir. I did not hear about that, but yeah. happy retirement to an absolute legend. Yes. I'm kind of, thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>